Hey there, Lions Den listeners. With Christmas approaching, I wanted to help make gift giving and giving back easier. Roots Social Group is selling cocoa grams to raise money for the new St. Maximus and St. Domedios Coptic Orthodox Church. The grams are $10 each and the Roots team will directly deliver it to you or your friends or family. Buy 10 and get one for free. Ordering them is easy. Just visit roots underscore social on Instagram and click the link in the bio. Order your grams to have them delivered before Christmas. Give the gift of giving back the season and show your loved ones that although we may be separated, we are not alone. Once again, head to roots underscore social on Instagram to make your order today. everyone and welcome back to the lion's den podcast episode number 30 that's a round number and it's three decades and i can't believe i've already done 30 of these uh and to celebrate episode number 30 i decided to have a very special guest uh this is uh one of my first actually no it's my second in-person recording and it's actually with my roommate aka my wife mrs well mrs and botros slash um we're excited to have her on the show uh, to discuss her career because it is a very unique career. Uh, so without further ado, everyone, meet Anne. Anne, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I uh, finally uh, put these questions together for you after hounding me for however long you hounded me for. It's fine. At least it was done. It was That's done. That's what matters. It was done. And we're here now to talk about it. So thank you so much for, for joining the Lion's Den. I know um, for the majority of the time, you just hear me recording from different areas in the house. But now you actually get to be on and in the spotlight. Of course. So uh, how's your how's your quarantine been? Uh, you're back in school now. How's that been with uh, with COVID and masks and kids? Um, it's been tricky. Uh, it's tough having the kids wear their masks all day because you just notice that they start to it starts to slip a little and it's just constant reminder saying, OK, no, put it over your nose and we have to wear it all day. It's just it's been a, it's been an adjustment. Yeah. Um, but so far, so good. Not too bad. That's good. And are you the kind of like, um, are you tapping on their shoulder when it falls below their nose? Like, hey, put it back up. Like the annoying flight attendants. Usually it's just a look. Okay. So when I just look at, they're like, they know from the amount of times I say it to them, they kind of know when I'm about to say it again. So Fair it's enough. just a look now. Fair enough. Now let's, let's start talking about what it is that you do. Obviously we mentioned briefly that you are in schools, uh, but we never really talked about what it is that you do. So can you just share with us what your title is? Sure. I am a teacher with the Peel District School Board. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Peel. Um, so you're a teacher. And that's what you do in school. You what grade are you teaching this year? I'm teaching grade four and five this year, split grade. Okay, cool. So um, let's talk about the educational path you took to get here because I, I mean, mid mid you doing teachers college, they kind of changed the rules up a little bit. Yeah. Um. So they made teachers college two years, and they made the concurrent program a bit longer. They did. Um. Yes. So let's talk about that. So first, um, for anyone who's considering going into teaching, what are the educational paths that you have to take to get there? So for myself, I did the concurrent education program at York University. Um, shout out York. But wah, <laughs> so, wah, wah. you're just a hater. It's fine. Um, so I did the concurrent education program at York. So it was five years. And pretty much what it is, is you do teacher's college while you do your undergrad. So you under you pretty much graduate with two degrees. So you graduate with your undergrad degree and you graduate with a bachelor of education. Okay. As opposed to the consecutive program where before it was was one year you finish your undergrad then you do teachers college for a year but now they've changed it to two years um which is a bit longer of course and a bit strenuous but it's okay um with the consecutive with the concurrent program sorry that i did um 
they've also changed that now into being six years as opposed to five. And I personally loved it in the sense of there were tons of practicums that you can do within schools, tons of experience that you can gain. And that's where I pretty much learned everything that I know based on my placements. So what's the advantage then to somebody doing concurrent versus not? Is there an advantage or is it just more so depending on when you figure out that this is what you want to do? There's not really an advantage. I just found personally with the consecutive pro- with the concurrent program that I just finished faster. Like I was done teacher's college. I graduated with both degrees. Um, placements I felt in the concurrent program were a lot better compared to consecutive because when I was reading up on the consecutive program, their placements are genuinely six weeks and then you're switched to another school as opposed to concurrent. You're in the same school for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Yes, you go once a week. Um, I did once a week for both years, for all the years that I was in the concurrent program. Um, and I generally, I loved it better because I built a relationship more with the students that I was teaching as opposed to consecutive where you're in there for six weeks or however long, I don't know how long it is exactly. Um, then you're switching on to a new school. Mm-hmm. So I just found that the concurrent was a little bit better. It's a little more c- consistency right, yeah. than the consecutive program. Cool. Now, I personally don't really know many teachers in our community who are older than us. I think there's a few that I know, um, but I know that our age and younger, there's a lot more. Um, but when you were decided that you wanted to do it, it wasn't really a common thing. So yeah. what, like, I guess, when did you fall in love with that? And when did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? Honestly, I kind of had it in my mind for a while growing up I was just like okay my mom's an ECE like I've been in the I've been around kids I've been in that school system so I'm just like in my mind it was always a thought but it was never something that I was like okay this is it this is what I wanted to pursue until mm-hmm. probably my first year of university that's when Very I thought to, yeah that's when I thought to myself I'm just like okay maybe teaching is the right path and with a little nudge from my family being like oh well you get summers off and Christmas off and it's like great if you have a fit if you want to start a family sure yeah that that was when I finally decided that okay maybe teaching is for me yeah. and that's when I applied and did the whole thing and I was just like okay if I get in it's God's will then let's do it so okay interesting my first year so you ended up at York without even knowing that you wanted to do teachers and then exactly. it just so happened that it was good timing because I think that was a couple years before they made everything like six or five years oh, yeah, or whatever sure. whatever the case was with that so interesting stuff now if I go into teachers college am I eligible to teach all ages like you said you teach grade four or five I know you taught grade one last year yeah um how does that work are the ages split how does it work in yeah teachers so there's three sections there's primary junior there's junior intermediate and there's intermediate senior so depending on your degree and your teachables what we call teachables um such as math science um chemistry whatever it is you fall under a certain group so for myself i did an undergrad in sociology so that doesn't count as a teachable so i'm eligible to do primary junior primary junior you don't you just need a subject okay it could be anything what grades are primary to junior primary junior is jk to grade six and then what's the other one so junior intermediate is from grade seven to ten and then intermediate senior is nine to twelve pretty much oh okay so so if you do junior intermediate you can teach early high school yeah you can teach okay. up till grade 10 from grade 7 to 10 interesting okay yeah. do you need teachables for that so one as junior well? intermediate you need one teachable and then intermediate senior you need two, two. okay cool yeah very interesting stuff so i know that there's a lot of people that are shopping around in the teaching world yeah, and look, sure. looking to get into that field so i think it's good for them to understand you know how things are split so if i pursue teachers college and let's say i'm doing primary junior right i'm doing grade grade jk to grade six um does that mean I'm never, ever 
ever allowed to teach high school or is that still a possibility and if so like what do i need to do as a teacher in primary junior to get myself to high school so it doesn't mean that you'll never teach high school what it pretty much once you graduate so for example if i ever wanted to teach high school i'm only qualified for primary junior so if i ever wanted to teach high school you need to take an extra course and within teaching you'll find we have tons of acronyms tons oh yeah so is that because teachers are lazy or is that because teachers are efficient we're not lazy i'm just asking no we're not lazy you assumed that that (laughs) was the conclusion we just the words are so long that why would we just say the whole word when we can just make an acronym okay it's just easier that way Mm -hmm. so um within teaching uh if i'm primary junior then i would need to take something called an abq Mm -hmm. an additional basic qualification course in order to get me qualified for high school or for junior intermediate so if I gra- if you say, for example, you graduate within primary junior and you're like, OK, maybe the little kids aren't for me and I want to do high school. All you would need to do is find an ABQ. So an additional basic qualification course, it could be in math, it could be in science, whatever it is. Um, you would take that course. Once you've taken that course, that counts as one of your teachables. And then that would help you sort of move up into the different grade ranges that you want to teach. OK, OK. So you can take these qualifiers um, to, I guess, catapult you into even different pay grades or just different qualifications to help you do different things. So you can become eventually a high school teacher. Exactly. Um, Because let's say someone graduates, like you said, with a degree that isn't a teachable. So they only qualify for one thing, but they want to ultimately be a high school teacher. Yeah. That's how they can go about that route. Exactly. So if they want to do the intermediate senior, then they would need to do, depending on the degree that they graduated with in primary junior, they would need to take another ABQ. And that's to say that you can't take two ABQs that are the same. What that means is if I'm teaching biology, I can't take chemistry as well. They need to be in totally opposite um, subjects. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I I feel like there's a lot of things that people think they know about teaching, but it, it seems to be much more intricate. Like I'm learning new things on a daily basis. Having you know to live with you and, and hear your complaints slash okay, thank you so stories much. <laughs> that how much you love no I'm just kidding um you definitely enjoy what you do and I can definitely you know I can see that and the harder the class for you the more enjoyable your experience and you've had some challenging classes which I'm sure we'll get into yeah. later on um but I want to hear from you because you you have a very diverse experience a diverse background so you've worked in private schools uh, and you've worked in different school boards you did durham york yeah. and peel as well yeah so you've seen a lot of different personalities different geographic areas uh, and just different classes of people so sure. let's talk about your experience in private school um what was that like i know that that's how you started so it was hard at that time to compare but now that you have district school board under your belt what's yeah. the difference between working in a private sector and working public so it was very it's very different. So I know a lot of people that do enjoy working in a private school, but my personal preference, like I would definitely prefer the public school system over private school. That's just my personal preference. Um, I just found within the private school that it was a lot of sort of handholding and a lot of babysitting. That's what I, I, that's personally my experience. I just felt like within the private school system, yes, they take more the student side than they would the teacher side because again, it's the private school system. So it's a business. 
Exactly. And that's what they look at it as. They look at it as a business. And so I just found that there were tons of handholding, tons of babysitting. Like, yes, you are teaching, but it's just the socialization is not there. As opposed to when I started within the public school system, I found that you were more in charge, that you were more independent. Within the private school, I just felt like someone was always looking over your back, kind of like watching what you're doing. Did you ever feel like, you know how we all watch those shows or like, for example, you made me watch Gossip Girl? (laughs) for a while during quarantine and like you know how the the person will get in trouble and go to the principal's office and then they'll say do you know how much my parents contribute to the school do you know how rich you know we are does that happen in private schools is it maybe not happening like from student directly to your face but are you like nudged being like hey this kid is from this family who contributes this amount so let's uh let's make sure you know we we don't get them in kind of in that kind of trouble does that actually happen or is that more of a movie so in my in the private school i worked at um, the owner who owns the private school, his kids attended the school. Oh, wow. So it was more so they were untouchable in a way. So it was more like, oh, like you can't get them in trouble. They're the owner's son or owner's daughter. So like we have to watch what we say or watch what yeah. we do because then they'll go and report back. I can understand that being the owner, but I mean, like, maybe if you have, like, a child who, like, for example, there's that one private school where all the, all the, like, celebrities send their kids, yeah. right? So, let's say I have a classroom and it's, like, yeah. Kyle Lowry's kid in my okay. class, right? Kyle Lowry's a, is a rich dude. Everyone knows how much he makes. It's yeah. public knowledge. And he obviously contributes a lot to whatever school he sends his kids to. Does the teacher of Kyle's son have to now act a different way around his son because we have to make sure that Kyle's happy that he keeps his kids coming here that he keeps funneling that money into our system I'm sure it's got to happen from a business perspective from a business perspective okay but then I think that also depends on the teacher like well does it though in a private school I feel like the control is out of the teacher's hand in a private school but in the private school it's out of your control in the sense of the way that they side with people. Yes, okay, but in teaching, like, I don't think that there's that special treatment with certain kids. Well, and- yeah, I, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to get at is not so much that the teacher is giving special treatment, more so that the teacher is pressured to have to give special treatment. As in, told by the principal or the owner of the school, like, hey, so-and-so is so-and-so's son or daughter. Yeah. Make sure, you know, we let things go here or we don't fail them or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I'm not saying it's it's happening for sure, but I mean... We all know business and we all know what people will do for money. So it doesn't strike me as something out of the complete realm of possibility that teachers are nudged and told, hey, look at this kid in your class. Like, let's let's ease up a little bit. I feel like it wouldn't come directly from the principal of the school. I think it would come from more teachers within the school Mm -hmm. and teachers talking and saying like, "Okay, yeah, be careful because this might happen. Yeah. And so that's where the teacher is sort of looking out for the others. Yeah. In that sense. But directly, I don't think it would come directly from the principal yeah so so it seems like with private school there's a fair share of flexibility but i mean there's still um you know quite a few key differences and i would say probably you know from the outside looking in if somebody asks you what you think the key differences are i would say for sure you have more job security within the board within the public school you have better benefits unless obviously the school that you work with is with private it depends right it it definitely in public it doesn't matter if i'm at the school across the street at the school in malton brampton milton it doesn't matter all the structure in terms of how i'm going to get paid my movement everything is the same 
Yeah. But in private school, it varies. It depends on the schools, depends on the employer. So what is your, I guess, your your favorite thing about working in pri- a public school that you didn't get in a private? Because there's a lot of different advantages that you have. So just like you said, job security was huge. Um, I hate to make it about money, but it's true. Like the private school doesn't pay as well as a public school does. Um, and also just, I feel the kids are more in, in public school. I feel like they're just more free in the sense of like, they have their friends they know they have that socialization aspect in the private school I worked at the kids were very rigid and very like study 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 as opposed to the public school like with my kids now it's just they know when to focus they know when to like work but they also have that sense of let's joke around type of thing do you think that a reason for that could be in in a public school I am sent to the school in my area right it's my feeder school I have to qualify all that whereas a private school I'm being sent there because my parents want me to you know have a private education you know a grade six is not going to decide I want to go to private school tomorrow right their parents are going to take them so do you think that a reason to that is because one is the kid is is like you said free in the sense where this is my neighborhood this is your my friends outside of here we play outside all the time whatever whereas the private school kid has one life at home and another life at school because yeah sometimes they're going far and wide for for these schools like they're not down the street some kids are on hour plus bus rides for sure do you think that that could be a contributor that can definitely be a contributor and i'm not i'm not slamming like private schools i think that private schools for some people are great it's just personally like like i said like my mm-hmm. personal preference it was a little different and my experience within private school is very different yeah. that i just found public school like job security is amazing you have a union on your side um the people that work within the public school system i feel like they can re- you can relate more to them yeah as opposed to private school where a lot of the teachers within private schools aren't even certified teachers yeah yeah for sure so it's very different you mentioned a very important word in there union oh yeah <laughs> uh, unions are very very interesting uh organizations and last year was a big year for the teachers union you oh, guys right huge. before right before covid and i think people forget because of all the covid craziness that teachers were striking for about four or five months yeah at the end of last year and um going head to head with ford and the cuts and uh so many you know different different challenges that teachers are facing within the past Definitely. year so can you talk about what the union means to you as a teacher um Obviously, as a teacher, being under a union is great because it gives you your job security. It defends you. But um, for people who are not teachers, unions aren't the best things ever, like principals or, you know, anyone in in management. So can you speak on your personal experience with being unionized? So I'm... With the union, the union is pretty much the teacher's best friend (laughs) in the sense of they're the ones that defend you. They're the ones that will, if you are doing something that you're not supposed to do within the school, they'll be the ones to stand up for you. Right. Um, So, for example, teachers, supply teachers are not allowed to do their morning duties. So they can't go out on duty in the mornings. Um, Some principals might take advantage of that and say no like you need to be doing the morning duty if the teacher is absent and they have a duty in the morning you need to be doing it that's where the union comes in and that's where they're like no they don't need to do that so they're the ones that are defending you to principals so if there's a teacher that's like i don't want to i don't want to tell the principal no because i'm a supply i'm just trying to get noticed yeah um and then you say no and then you lose your job they can go back to the union and say hey he was making me do things exactly outside of my contract yeah uh, I don't need to do that. And then they'll b- go back and reinstate you. Right. And and I think that's the best part is there's no bias with selecting who's teaching that day. 
Yeah. So the thing is, like, we have a collective agreement. And within that collective agreement, there's certain rules that teachers follow that principals can't break Mm -hmm. and if it is broken that's where teachers and even throughout the day if something happens and it's you don't like whatever occurs you call the union and the union kind of handles that situation for you now with with regards to your collective bargaining agreement like that is that agreement it, it was recently mended is that correct Yes, they the seniority. Yes, bit. the seniority yeah. bit, right? So, and that was something in the past month or two, like during COVID. Yeah. And um, before we get into that, can you just explain to our listeners what seniority is in the context of teaching? So within the school board, when you get hired, the day you're hired is your seniority date. And what that means is when applying to LTO, like long term occasional positions or contract positions, it's seniority based. So if I, for example, apply to a position and for other however many people apply to that same position, they base interviews off off the top five candidates with the highest seniority. And so what getting rid of Regulation 274 is pretty much getting rid of that whole seniority base. Um, Lots of people weren't happy with it. Some people were happy with it. That's Um, tough. It's very, very tough because if I feel like the teachers who have been in the board who are not permanent but have been there like north of five, six years. Yes. This is very very disheartening definitely it's like five six years of pure effort have gone through out the window and nobody and that's just that you build it you build it over time every year the more people that the board hires your seniority goes up so it's better for you it's a little ridiculous though and and i know that you and i have had many conversations about how we feel about the seniority rule and it's not really fair at all and it it really hinders a lot of young teachers from getting jobs right like there's teachers who are you know teaching in their 30th 40th year and they just continue to whether it be take extended breaks leaves whatever the case may be and that's where the union comes in and that's where the union is not so fun for a lot of people who have to deal with these kinds of things right and because they protect you so much that it comes down to people abusing the system definitely and it hinders a lot of young teachers from having those opportunities and being given those chances so i mean for you personally are you happy about seniority being removed i still don't know i'm like i'm leaning towards the yes that i am happy because then it's more based on what you're qualified to do um so it kind of gives me a better opportunity in that sense but i'm also i also feel bad (laughs) for those that have been in the board for so long that they've been trying to build their seniority over and over again and then it's just a rule that just gets thrown it thrown out the window Mm -hmm. so i'm personally myself i'm a little happy about it. i'm not gonna lie but um again it just makes things even more difficult because everyone is going to be applying now and who knows who's going to get interviews at this yeah yeah it's going to be very interesting but i think the qualifications are very important and if you don't have seniority you don't have qualifications like where are you going to get these qualifications from if you're not working yeah um so and i and i think that puts you guys in an advantage and that's how it should be done like seniority is a direct reflection of your experience right like the longer you work in the board you obviously have more experience yeah so let's just leave it up to the experience let people interview have it be fair and i mean may the best person win that's how i feel like it should be and i think that they're moving towards that direction so should be interesting to see now for anyone who's exploring this path um can you explain to them what the pathway would be if they want to become a permanent teacher with the board because you know there's there's like almost a like hierarchy of positions so where do they start and where do they have to go before becoming permanent so 
you interview with the board, of course. Once you receive an interview, the best thing about being within a school board is once you're in, you're in. There's no, you won't get it's kicked It's yours out. to lose. Exactly. So um, once you're in with the board, you start off with supply teaching. So you supply teach for about 10 months until you are eligible to apply to something called the LTO list. So the long-term occasional list. And what that list is, pretty much if a teacher, a permanent teacher goes on a sick leave or a mat leave or any type of leave for more than 11 days, it's considered an LTO. And that LTO can last literally two weeks. It can last a month. It can last the year. It really depends on how long the teacher has gone for. So you apply to go onto that list and then you're on that list. Um, I think for another 10 months, I believe. But from then, you can start applying to contracts and permanent positions. And then once you apply to permanent positions, then you're ready to go. Okay, so you start out supply. Yes. Um, so can you can you give us insight into the life of a supply teacher, what your life was like? Because you were essentially on call 24-7. Yes, yes. So pretty much it depends on really the school board. So with one of my school boards, we were able to, well, with Peel and York Region, I think, we were able to uh, job shop. What that means is, oh no, it wasn't York. I know that Peel, we do it. Yes. But it, memories, it's been so long. So with Peel, we were able to job shop. Um, what that means is we go on a website and we get to choose where we want to go the next day. So it, when it's available and they give you the school, they give you how long you're there for, they tell you if it's a full day, half day, what grade, all of that. So you that was the best part. And I love that because you were able, it gave everyone that chance to go on and really job shop and find where they want to go and fill in assignments. Um, with my other school boards, it was a phone call. So at 5 p.m. every day or at 4, whatever time it was, that's when the phone would start ringing. And then you would they would tell you what assignment it is, what school you're at, and then you can choose to accept or decline. Um, if you declined a certain amount of times, they would stop calling you for that night. So going, so once you know where you're going, what I liked, why I like the job shopping is because I knew where I was going to go the next day. And if it was a school that I was familiar with, even better. Mm-hmm. So I would go, you would accept the, you would accept the job and then the next day would you would be at that school okay now as a supply what do you have to do to stand out like what are the things that you did when you were supplying just to try to get because look the further along and we didn't really discuss this with the further along you move in the process you need more references you do right so you have to use your supplying years essentially to accumulate references so can you share what you personally had to do and just some advice you would have for anyone who's supplying who wants to build their reference base who wants to be known and make a name for themselves so to build references, you obviously want to be well known um, to the principal and to the vice principal. Those are the two people that will give you the best references and the people, two people that you only want references from. Um, so with that, it's also creating business cards. So I didn't know that until probably my first year starting with Peel was when I found out that, OK, business cards, that's the way to go. Um because after every supply day that I would do at a school, I would write my note to the teacher, letting them know how the day went, and then I leave my business card. Once you leave your business card, teachers call you back. And I do that now for teachers that come into supply for me. When they give me a business card, I'm just like, awesome. I'm building this up. I have these teachers on record to call whenever I'm away. Um, so that's one way is also it, building that relationship with principals and VPs and teachers. I find that teachers talk. So we talk to one another. We're like, okay. oh, they talk. <laughs> they talk to one another about one another. No, that's not true. That's <laughs> not true. Don't spread rumors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, But they definitely talk. We do talk, but we talk in the sense of 
do you, we always are in need of a supply teacher. Like the more things get busy, especially COVID times now, I, we feel like we're running short. And so talking to one another and really having that communication and building that communication with others with other teachers saying hey like if you ever need me one day like call me like here's my business card let me know and like really going to the principal and so what york region did when i was with them they had something called a preferred list Mm -hmm. so what that is is you have your preferred school so the school that you are pretty much not assigned to but the school that you would like to go to more often and they put you on this list where when they do their call outs they would call you first and you'd get first dibs on the job oh okay that's cool yeah and so peel was a little different when i started with them so the way peel did it you're assigned to they assign you to a preferred school so you don't even get to choose so they assign you to your preferred school and then you have secondary schools and the way peel does it is you have to complete 15 days within your preferred school in order to be opened up to the board so by having that that's where I built most of my relationships and most of my references because I was at one school for 15 days that school just ended up calling me back and back and back and so I was able to build a relationship with the VP and with the principal and the way that Peel does it you need to get assessed so you need to have an observation so with that observation it was the VP that assessed me and she was fantastic so we really built that connection really built that relationship so that they would keep calling me back and from then on slowly um, end up in being a position cool so there's definitely there's definitely different things that you can do as a teacher to get your name out there and, and really ensure that you get so i didn't even know the teachers could call other teachers to supply for them oh, i thought that you had to go through a like just a system and the system chooses who comes it depends on the school board again like with my school but with peel i can literally input the person's name of who i want to come supply for me okay so you, you put automatic. together like a list of four or five people uh and then you're like yo first first come first serve i'm away this day who wants it I just text. I just okay. they they leave their card, so I just text them. I'm yeah. like, hey, are you available this day? And if they're like, yeah, I'm like, perfect. I'll put you in right now. Cool. Yeah, that's very interesting, and it gives you a lot of freedom, I guess. So you you have a like a list of four or five people. You're like, I could take a day here and there. Exactly. Um, now, do you find that it's difficult to age age to deal <laughs> with the new aged parents? Um, what I mean by new age is parents who are parents in the last like ten years, mm-hmm. the technological age, the social media age, the age of hypersensitivity. Yeah. Um, so do you find that it's difficult to deal with parents of of these kids? Um, are they more more protective than our parents were are they um less inclined to listen to the teacher and take their kids side or more inclined i feel like any parent will always take their kids side because it's uh, their child not in my upbringing okay well it's different that's what, that's with the new age right yeah. i feel like nowadays the parent will be like are you sure that's my kid because i don't think so so it's like but you always have to hit them with the facts like that's what I found so I just finished doing interviews and it was so funny because the parents that I would talk to they were more like our parents and so because they were more like our parents they kind of understood they're like okay no it's definitely my kid it's not you (laughs) so you get you get a mixed right and it also depends on the location your school is in so my school is in a location where these are immigrant families these are families that immigrated from around the world and they're newcomers so they really understand the idea of education is very important okay and it's like i'm there to support my kid as much as possible but if they're messing around then we need to regulate this yeah yeah fair so enough. it's very different and i feel that's where it depends on the school you're in 
and what types of parents there are. But you'll nowadays younger parents are more they're like helicopter parents. Yeah, they're for very, sure. Yeah, so it's different. And speaking of social media, I didn't put this question for you. It's kind of out of out of the blue, so you don't have to answer it. But speaking of social media, kids now have iPads, iPod, or not even iPods don't even exist anymore. Yeah. They have iPads, smartphones. Yeah. They're on Instagram. They're on also all sorts of social media. They're playing video games or they're talking on live to people around the world. Yeah. So pretty much what I'm what I'm trying to get to is that bullying is so easily accessible now more so than ever before and like before you would get bullied at school and it, it was really rough but then you'd go home and it's over yeah now you're being bullied around the clock it doesn't matter if you're in person not in person uh if you're even in the same city as the person bullying you it doesn't matter anymore because that's just what it is so i want to hear as a teacher is it is it very challenging now to deal with bullying is there like are the boards taking steps to remove bullying or handle bullying what's what's surrounding that is it any different they definitely do like november within the school board is bullying prevention month and so we do a lot of sort of class building around bullying and we do a lot of lessons around bullying and it really falls under for my grades we do a whole health unit on it and so my kids do know all about the social media and all that stuff none of them have shown me a phone so i know lots of people think that by grade four or five they have no none of them have shown me a phone and even if they did have a tablet we encourage within the peel school board to bring their own device so that's stuff that we encourage we encourage it if it's school related when it becomes something that isn't school related that's where we put a stop to well, it. well any device can become something non-school exactly. related so we have to really regulate that okay. and really observe that that's not happening and so bullying it doesn't even matter it always happens there's no perfect classroom where it doesn't happen. You always, it could be the smallest thing and it's, yeah. it, it's bullying. For sure. And so we really do that. We personally, myself in my class, I'm huge on bullying. So I take that very seriously with my kids and they know how serious I take it. And so we do a lot of team building exercises and okay, well, if lots of scenarios, what would we do in this scenario? And so my kids are slowly starting to learn that. And when they do come to me with a problem where bullying is happening, I literally tell them, I'm like, what do we need to do? How do we solve this problem? What are the steps we can take here? And so I have them work through it together with me as a mediator right there. So it's true that bullying is huge within schools. Um, it's just really working with your class and working with your students, learning how to get like deal with the bullying and learning strategies to help the students get through that. Yeah, for sure. Now, over the past decade, more than decade, there have been you know, limitations put on teachers year over year and, and not just teachers, but there's just been, you know, with society cracking down on a lot of things like like sexual assault or not even sexual assault, but like anything kind of misconduct or anything like that. They've limited teachers in with regards to like there's no hugging, no touching, no, no, nothing like that. And and it's very hard sometimes when you're in a classroom of like JKs yes. and all they want to do is hug and you're like, oh, my gosh, like I can't do this because yes. I'm going to get in so much trouble. I could potentially lose my job. Whereas I remember I vividly remember being enrolled in school in Egypt yeah and I would I would catch rulers to my to my hands it's a traditional learning you know or like stand in the corner with your hands in the air for X amount of time and I'm not saying that it was effective but I thought it was pretty effective <laughs> so I want to hear from you like what are some of these limitations that you face and are they hard for you like do you find that they hinder you from being able to do your job well um it's pretty much what you were saying like no hugging no touching none of that but when I was teaching grade one and I taught grade one the last two years it was super hard because I was teaching 
teaching last year I was teaching in a school where all the kids wanted was affection like that's all they needed it's a tough school it was a tough area and all they wanted in life was that affection so I would get one of my students who was one of my more behavioral students and he he just wanted affection he just wanted a hug and so in doing that it's like I always do this rule where I put my hands up and then they hug just so that and I always had a teacher in the room so I always had that extra help in this room anyways. So it's that extra set of eyes. Um, but I would do it in a way where they're hugging. It's not like I would wrap my arms around them. No, no, no. I'd just sort of have my hands to my side or have my hands up just yeah. so that they're seen. Um, but there are many rules. There yeah. are tons of rules now in terms of the smallest things can get you in trouble. Yeah, which is a perfect segue into our next yeah. question because uh, actually, you know, we're going to talk about some interview preparation stuff for teachers. Yeah. But before we get into that i want to ask you about something and you you've told me about this on plenty of occasion um but i want you to share with our listeners what the blue pages are oh my gosh the best pages yeah shout out to all teachers who are probably laughing right They're now the best listening pages. to this and chuckling to themselves i can literally read these pages all day so so what them. are they what are they so every month um teachers certified teachers get a sort of magazine from the ontario college of teachers and it's just a magazine that kind of updates us on the events and all that stuff and then at the back we have the blue pages so the blue pages are pretty much when teachers get charged with misconduct so it can be things from sexual abuse within the classroom to another student it could be verbal abuse it could be anything so anything that they get charged with um or get in trouble with right. the board or with the sorry with the ontario college of teachers they get put in the blue pages and with it, their first and last names first last name oct number oh, wow. like they expose them and yeah it's just, and and to anyone who's like wondering you know what extent do they go oh they she's go. told me they a story far. about a teacher who was soliciting his grade 12 student mm-hmm. for sexual intercourse like this is legit yes. really 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 like like it's dark things would read. bad things yeah. like it's not just like this guy you know slapped his grade one on the back of the, no. the wrist because they were misbehaving no, no no this is like these guys are legit yeah like Creeps. it's things you would read and you'd be like, what? Like, are you sure? Like, are we just make? Are we pushing yeah, it a little? So like, no, like things that would be shocking to you. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild stuff. But it's pretty. Uh, it's good that they that they put it on blast. I think it's yeah. very important because you can't have a teacher going school to school. Yeah. When they have all these things in their record, it's just not right. And it'll even tell you what school board they're part of. Wow. So it literally, yeah, it'll tell you what school board they're part of. And that's crazy. All of, yeah, it's actually the most interesting thing I ever read. It's in, that's it's crazy. Fantastic. So. Well, let's let's segue into our little segment that we wanted to do here because and I learned this the hard way interview prep for teaching is very very different from the normal interview prep and how I learned this the hard way you guys ask I always try to help her out with her interview prep and the common answer I get is you don't know what you're talking about you're not a teacher you don't know our <laughs> interview process uh, so I brought her on the interview here to explain to us and me the um, the interview process, what goes into it. So let's talk about that. First of all, what makes your interview process different from the average interview process? Um, for teachers, you really, it's as if you're taking an exam. Like that's how much studying needs to go into it. And so with the interview process for teachers, especially you're in an interview room with a principal and a vice. Well, for me personally, I was in a room with a principal and a vice principal and it was, it's such a nerve wracking situation in the sense of all they're doing the entire time is writing. 
Like they don't even make eye contact with you. You'll see them nodding their head sometimes and you're like, okay, I think I'm saying the right thing. Okay. But they're looking for so many specific things. Like you need buzzwords. Buzzwords, right? Huge, huge within teaching are buzzwords. Yeah. So they'll be marking off and checking off if you're saying these words. And sometimes they do it on a point system where you need to say the question is out of seven. You need to, in order to get the full marks, you need to get seven out of seven. Yeah. So that's really using lots of examples. They're huge. School boards are huge on examples. Examples and really things that you can relate back to the question. And they're really huge, like I said, on buzzwords. So using the whole equity, diversity, inclusion, like having those buzzwords really pushes you ahead. And so with the interview process, I know some school boards, they do, well, Peel does it and York Region did it as well. Um, There's a written portion and then there is the oral interview and you only you're only allotted a certain amount of time so for the written portion you're only allowed about 15 minutes to write and then for the oral interview it's 30 minutes Mm -hmm. so you really need to be concise you really got to get to the point because you don't have a lot of time and if you start to ramble on and on and on they're gonna look at you and be like okay stop talking like enough yeah so how does the process work is it you are you given a time slot that you show up for is it a group interview is it just you selected uh, do you have a list of preset questions that you have to prepare for and they choose like three of them like how does it work yeah so you you are given a time slot you kind of register which time you want to do it um and then from there question wise they don't give you the like you you're going into the interview not knowing what the questions are but like i said teachers talk so when one person goes for an interview they'll be like okay yeah this was asked they're gonna ask you a question about this and and stuff like that so that kind of helps you prepare and that's where i was fortunate enough to have people who were able to send me those questions and i was able to prepare off those for my when i was supply teaching right yeah and so um that's sort of where you can grow those questions from. Um, And then from then on, you just prepare short form answers. Um, From then on, then you can really figure out what those buzzwords are, all those things, and then kind of go from there. Okay, cool stuff. So can you give us some examples of questions that they've asked you? Like what are some sample interview questions from the Peel District interview? Of course. So I can give you supply teacher interview question interview answers and lto interview answers so i'm giving you both um for the supply teaching interview they give you a lot of questions on equity so for example how do you build equity within your classroom or how is equity shown within your classroom um or inclusion or diversity um another question that is always going to be on an interview or in an interview is classroom management they want to know that you can handle your own class that you're not going to be calling down to the office every two seconds asking for help so classroom management huge 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 um some of them might ask you for your educational experience so pretty much like have you ever worked in a classroom before or dealt with kids before any of those um assessment is also massive um, so within teaching, we do three types of assessments. We do a diagnostic assessment, a formative and a summative assessment um, throughout units. They'll also ask you, how do you plan a unit or how do you plan a lesson? And then you got to go through the steps for those and use the buzzwords, of course. Um, another one would be asking you, for example, when I interviewed for York Region, um, they asked me about my math program. What would my math program look like? 
or what would my literacy program look like? So they'll ask you questions about that for your supply teaching. For your LTO interview, it's kind of one step above. So they're really looking for specific examples. They're really looking for those buzzwords. And I know people that haven't gone on the on the list just because they missed one buzzword. Mm-hmm. Like that's how serious they take the LTO interview. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. So with the LTO interview, it's a lot of overlapping questions with the equity, diversity and inclusion, um, as well as classroom management. But they'll also ask you about um, professional development that you've done within your school. So any type of PD courses you've taken, stuff like that. Um, They'll also ask you about your unit planning, your lesson planning as well, Um, how you use technology, because technology is up and coming now. 21st century learning is huge within teaching. So they'll ask you about technology and um sort of what types of how do you empower modern learners that's also a big one within peel so for anyone applying to peel hit me up i can help you yeah for sure that's um, it's very interesting yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you have to prepare for tons, tons more yeah i think more so than people even ever thought so uh it's very interesting so you mentioned that you're not given a list of questions but people talk so what recommendations do you have for someone who's trying to prepare like how do they know what resources can they use to find like where can they access these teachers facebook 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 so there's a facebook group for teachers there's tons of facebook groups for teachers every school board has a facebook group for for teachers there's also specific groups for grade levels so if you're applying if you have an interview for a grade two position there's literally a facebook group for grade twos oh wow that's where yeah and people are so generous enough to just even give you their notes and literally post exactly word for word what was said in the interview and so facebook was my best friend when studying for these interviews and for for any type of interview or position I wanted, I would use the Facebook forums and I would just literally Google like research what questions I needed to study. For. Wow, very cool. So Facebook is a good resource um, for teachers to go and prepare. Interviews are more intricate than the average interview. So there's a lot more studying. Yes, uh, that's very, very interesting. Um, with that being said, I just want to say thank you for joining the show. You killed it. I know you were uh, preparing for this for quite some time, all five minutes. All right, let's calm down. So uh, I I appreciate you coming on the show. And we're doing this together, cooped up in the house because it's snowing like crazy. Yes. Uh, So we're like, let's do this. And um, I appreciate your time. Thank you. No problem. And to our listeners, that was my wife, Ann Botros, who is also a primary junior slash grade four or five teacher with the Peel District School Board. Um, So if you have any questions about teaching, you want to learn more about how to prepare for your interview and such, just let me know. I'll put you in touch unless you're a guy you cannot talk to her but with that being said guys you know where you know where to find me listener apple Podcasts, and spotify and i'll come at you next episode